Hey, this is Holly from Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, we're talking about how we are making church a welcoming community filled with people who are here to love on you and pray with you. Enjoy this message. We started a series a few weeks ago. We're winding down now. We got today and next week we'll be finished. And it's called The Big Picture. And we're basically talking about when church works, church works. And We've hopefully been painting a big picture for us so that we understand what God is doing and what God wants to do and how God wants to do it in our church and in our lives. And we really believe we're in a very uh, important time in a very powerful place with the Lord where a lot of the promises and plans of God that he wants to do in our lives are ready to be fulfilled. And by by the way, you know, I'm, I'm always just let's go ahead and get this understood. I'm always believing for more. So, so, so don't, get, don't think nothing's happening just because I'm saying there's more. Because I just believe there's always more in God, right? But a lot of great things are always are already happening. And so as we join our faith together, we just wanted all of us to understand how church works and how God wants to use us to see his purposes and plans fulfilled. And so we begin our first week with a 10-1 serve one. And we talked about the importance of coming to church and worshiping God like we've done today and chose to do. And the powerful uh, uh, impartation that happens each and every week as we gather. But we also understood not only do we want to lift our hands to God, but we want to extend our hands to one another and serve. And so that was a very powerful start as we started with that week. And all of this is online if you need to catch up. Back here, week two, we talked about two leadership roles. We talked about elders and deacons. We talked about there's people in our body that have ideas and words, but also there's people that have application and works. The the elders are about the head and the deacons about hands and that there's a place for everybody in the body of Christ. And so we understood that principles plus actions and use equals maturity. God was calling us in this season not just to sit into church but to find out through our equipping process what is your place in the body of Christ. And as you do that, how you can move forward in maturity. When that happens, the the load is shared. That's what the pictures depict. And then great things happen because in Acts 6 it says when these things started happening there in the Bible, it says the word of God increased and the number of disciples were multiplied greatly. So we believe we're at that place. Week three, three pronged vision, 5,000 worshipers, 1,000 houses of light, million dollars a year to support the poor around the world. And may I go ahead and just put this disclaimer out there. People say, well, the poor are always with you. Well, that's not, not necessarily true. And that scripture's out of context. Because I believe Jesus wants us to fix the poverty situation. 20 years ago, the world, 52% lived in poverty. Now, 20 years later, only 26% of the world is living in poverty. Come on, somebody. So, only 26% to go. And I really believe, I, my, see, my eschatology is different from some. I don't believe the world's going to hell in the handbasket. I believe God's called me and you to make the world a better place and prepare for the Lord's return. Come on, somebody. That's a, that's, that's a whole other series right there. Uh, we talked about four core areas. We realized if we're going to do this, we got to get focused. We can't do everything, but we got to focus on what God's wanting us to do. So we've said worship's a key important part of our lives. Equipping, freedom track, kingdom culture, theology of leadership and art of leadership, the process in which you become a, a, a believer that's, that's empowered, if you will, to do the will of God in our church. Three, houses of light as we open our homes to be houses of light in our communities. And four, Project 58 to missions. These are our four focused areas. We talked about last week, seek the kingdom of God first, right? And all our thing, all, everything will be added unto us. And we talked about juggling, how we try to juggle our lives, which is almost impossible. But if you grab a hold of that word first means proton, 
the center of everything. If you make God the center of your life, you won't have to juggle your own life. God will juggle your life for you. One of the families had their kids coming out this morning. They had their little boy, I think he's four, and they said, man, he, he got his balls out as soon as we got home Sunday in, in his playroom and started juggling. And they said, what are you doing? He said, I'm juggling my protons. <laughs> Don't you love it? Even kids are catching the message. Isn't that great? Five-fold ministry. We talked about over here, we talked about the... The leadership of our church, the five-fold ministries. We don't believe in a church where you just have a pastor. We believe that, that actually a, a true biblical church should have five-fold ministry operating. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor, which we have in our church. And that they are not on top, above everybody. They're actually below, beneath. It's a function, not a title. And it's a grace function and that it's a, that gives us the ability to plant our work here and so the fruit actually is you being equipped to do the work of the ministry and the grace gifts are just to empower you and equip the believers to do the work of ministry it was a really great week I'm excited about this week and I hope the message is going to touch you as much as it's touched me in preparing for it so I appreciate the guys bringing our next board out and thank them for their help each and every week and appreciate you guys helping me today mm-hmm Good morning, sir. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you for your help. Got a ladder, Chris? You are the man. You staying with me, aren't you? This is my sixth week in a row. I had to climb this ladder. Okay. We're going to stop yet. Let's go again. All right. <laughs> Pray for me. I got you. you. <laughs> Don't let me fall. Okay. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about six. Touches from the, you got me? Gotcha. <laughs> I'm leaning. From the street. To the seat. Six touches. Thank you very much. Six. Six touches from the street to the seat. We believe it's important here at We're Alive to create an atmosphere, if you will, where people can be touched by Jesus. And we believe it's, doesn't, it's not the preaching but, uh, only, not just the worship only, but we believe it starts from the time somebody drives onto our campus, which this represents, and they meet somebody that's a friendly person there that's waving and welcoming them onto our campus, to when they get out of their car, they meet somebody else that's actually there that's been praying for them even before you got here, saying, God, I'm praying for the families today. When they come here, Lord, I know they had a battle getting here, but I thank you, Lord, when they pull on the campus, supernatural peace is going to come on them, and I'm praying for something good to happen to them today as they come into worship with us. And, and you got people there, spiritual people, if you will, that are greeting you and touching you and to the, to the third place where you walk in the connection. Don't you love our greeters that have big smiles and hugs when you went and come in and just give a big old hug and a smile and th th this this isn't just so you know how I mean we all know how to get in here you know this this is a spiritual thing we're saying this is a touch from the Lord to, to the, of encouragement as we're moving on and then even to our connection facility that's why we built this big old connection because we didn't want church to be a sterile place where you're just always sitting in a sanctuary looking in the back at somebody's head we want to be a place where you could sit down and have a cup of coffee and share the things of God and be equipped and empowered and make 
connections with other believers so that you can be touched by the Lord. And then, of course, to open worship as the folks welcome you to the sanctuary until you get in here. And we call this the big hug. And this is when, you know, we feel like every Sunday somehow in worship at some point, and you feel it, don't you? It's like God just gets down here and puts his big old arms around us. Woo, man, I feel anointed when I talk about it. Just he puts his big old arms around us and just hugs us and encourages us. And then we in turn hug one another and something supernatural happens. We believe that. And we believe this is an important part of our being a church, this atmosphere. You say, why? Because people have problems. Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking about you now. Right? We all have them. Everybody here today has got a problem. Some problem in our life. People have problems, and we know that. But what's exciting to us is our problems touch Jesus. Listen to me. Our problems touch Jesus. He's moved by our problems. Looking looking at Hebrews chapter 4, this powerful scripture. For we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses or another translation, our problems. But he was tempted and tested in all points like we are yet without sin. Here's what I love about Jesus. Our problems touch Jesus. Why? Jesus is not some great high priest or some God who doesn't know what it's like to be human. That's why he came. He came to live as a human. And I've got news for somebody. He knows what it's like to be tested and tempted on every level. Jesus knows the feeling when when somebody's struggling with their sexual identity. Jesus knows the feeling when you can't don't have enough provision to pay your bills. Jesus knows the feeling when a loved one's died and you don't know how you're going to make it the rest of your life. Jesus knows the pain of divorce when that family is broken and split up. He knows the pain. He's felt the pain. He knows what it's like to be addicted to crack. He knows what it's like to be an alcoholic. He knows what it's like to have cancer on his body. The good news, he was tempted and tested on every side, yet he never sinned so that he could be in touch with our feelings and change our lives through his compassion that he released on the cross. Come on, somebody. I got good news for somebody. We got a great high priest in heaven who is making intercession today for me and for you and is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's praying out of pure compassion because he lived this life as a human being. I love that about Jesus. But not only is he touched with our problems, he wants to touch our problems. Matthew 8, I believe it is, it's the story of the leper. Here's what it says, system like this. And behold, a leper. Somebody say leper. This is important because in that society, a leper was somebody untouchable. Their condition made them an outcast of society. And they were untouchable because of their condition. And that's why I believe that Jesus allowed this story to be put in the Bible because it was a portion of society that was not touchable. A leper had to walk around and simply say, I'm unclean. Out loud, I'm unclean. And if you touch the leper, you, even though you were clean, would become unclean. So a leper would never be allowed to be touched by a priest. Never be allowed in a public forum like this. Never be allowed in a synagogue to worship God. Never to be able to sit down and eat a meal with somebody. Never be able to be included in the community. 
And that's why it's such a powerful story because this leper somehow heard about Jesus and it says, behold, he came and he worshiped him. He said, Lord, if you're willing. He didn't know if Jesus could touch him or was willing, but he knew if he did and he was willing, what could happen? And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. What happened? Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. God, I love that portion of scripture. Jesus touched that person that nobody under the law could touch. And it says when he did, he said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was healed. What does that speak to me? That speaks to me. There's so many of us. We think our condition has made us unworthy, unwanted, outside the grace of God, outside the purposes of God, that our condition is so deep or so desperate or so dark that Jesus would not dare get in touch with our lives. But I got good news for you. Our great high priest is willing today to touch the deepest, darkest parts of our life and cleanse us and make us whole in Jesus' name. Amen. And under the law, if somebody clean touched somebody unclean, that person became unclean. But under grace, when you are clean and you touch something unclean, that unclean becomes clean. Thank God for grace. Amen. I said, thank God for grace, amen. You ain't got to worry about people's problems jumping on you. Your grace will jump on them. And so it's important for us to realize this and understand that Jesus wants us to touch people. Jesus wants us to touch people as a church. Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all which have the potential to turn a life around. I was reminded this, this week of when we first started the church, and we only had the one metal building there at Maddox Hall, we didn't have a drive-through where you could get out of the weather and this lady had been attending our church for a couple of years and she'd been praying for her husband who didn't want anything to do with the church or with the Lord finally convinced him to come on a Wednesday night and he was kind of moaning about coming but just because she'd stayed after him he decided he would come so he shows up on a Wednesday night and when he gets here the skies open and it's a pure thunderstorm now he's sitting out there no drive-through and he, the only option is to get out and get soaking wet and she said he was really letting it run right then you know just just mad that now you know look what's look where we are now said all of a sudden he turned around and one of the parking lot attendants was standing there by the window soaking wet with an umbrella for my husband to get out of the car and my husband looked at me and was like this parking lot attendant got him and his wife walk him soaking wet walked them in so they stay stay dry at the end of my message that day that husband was the first one to answer the altar call to come to accept Jesus. After the meeting and a conversation with him, he said, I really enjoyed your message today, and the church was wonderful. And he told me the story that I just told you. He said, but I got to tell you, you didn't change my life today. He said, I'm going to tell you who changed my life. Whoever that guy was who was standing in the rain as a grown man with an umbrella to get me out of the car, he said, it touched my hard heart and opened it up so I could hear the gospel today. We don't understand the potential. We don't understand the power in just an act of kindness or, or, or some word spoken or a touch or a smile. And I want to talk to you about that just for a moment today. 
Let's talk maybe first of all, how about just the power of a smile? The power of a smile. You know they say it takes just as many muscles to smile as it does to frown. Some of you got those muscles trained right. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and just give him a little and say, show me some teeth. Come on, down, show me some teeth. <laughs> Touch your other neighbor and say, you need some teeth. No, no, I'm just telling you. <laughs> hey, listen. You know how many times an adult smiles on average a day? 20 times. 20 smiles a day. You know how many times a child smiles a day? 400. And you wonder why you get around a child and it makes you so happy. You're getting 400 of them in a day. Mother Teresa, one of my heroes, said something like this. I love her quotes. She said, I will never understand all the good that a simple smile can accomplish. I will never understand all the good that a simple smile can accomplish. Now here's a woman, little Romanian Catholic woman living in India, changed the world with an open hand and a smile. No great orator, no great wealth, no great influence until she just started using a smile and an open hand and she literally changed the world with a smile. How powerful is that? I love it when people smile. I love it when I smile. Sometimes Bev will look at me and she'll love it. Because like, I just, you know, I get to thinking about something and just get this. And you got to be careful smiling. Because if you smile at me in the community, I think you're part of our church. So I was at Walmart recently, and I'm walking down the aisle and pushing my bug, and this lady gave me this big old smile. Man, I grabbed her up and got her big old hug on her and just snuggled her up to me and just gave her a hug. And she goes, do I know you? I'm like, you do now. <laughs> but it's something compelling about a smile. I like this. Smile, it adds to your face value. Another quote by Mother Teresa, every time you smile at someone, it is a gift to that person, a beautiful thing. How about the power of a kind word or a compliment? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. The power of just saying something kind, saying, giving somebody a compliment Saying a kind word to somebody just lifts them up in a way that we don't even understand or dream or imagine. Happened to me this week. I was uh, busy working and trying to get a lot of things accomplished. And I'm like you, you know, some days I, I'm way up and sometimes I'm way down. And I try to try to stay in the middle somewhere and to live my life you know, the way I believe God wants me to. But this was just, just busy, you know, and just kind of like... <laughs> You wonder sometimes, are all your efforts really paying off? You know, that kind of thought. And I'm, I'm bumping around here on Wednesday night, and I just happened to walk by a table of guys in recovery. And I don't even know why I stopped. I didn't know any of them. Personally, I stopped, and I just shook hands with them, just said hello. And I was making my way around the table, and this one guy locked eyes with me. 
He said, Pastor Kent, I just want to tell you, I love you. And I really appreciate you. God, I started crying like a child right there in front of him. Just his words. I don't know why they were so powerful. Maybe because they were heartfelt, but it just floored me. And I'm telling you, I went from here to, I mean, I left that table. I'm like, what up? <laughs> you know, this wasn't some great apostle or, or, or some, you know, that we think somebody was going to change. This is a young man finding his own way in recovery, but just took time to speak a kind word, and it changed my life. And today I believe I'm better because he spoke into my life in that one moment of time. Power of life and death is in the tongue. How about the power of a hug? Did you know that hugs release an antidepressant? A natural antidepressant. I think it's called oxytocin. And when you hug somebody, it actually releases an antidepressant. Isn't that amazing? I think if I understand this right, there's some medical doctors here, so you, you can correct me later if it's wrong, but I think the largest organ in our body is the skin. And there's something about that happens in a, when, when, in, in, with a physical hug that just does something supernatural in our lives. Can you I just, my mind was blown when, they, when I read that a hug releases antidepressants. Wow. And then I just begin to think about that and the power of that. And I, I, I understand now, I've, I, when I think of like, think understanding that, it's like, wow, I see now how powerful things have transpired. You know, you know what Charlie Brown, I love this quote by Charlie Brown. You know what it says? He said, I love the kind of hugs where you can physically feel the sadness leaving your body. Wow. I love the kind of hugs, he says, where you can physically feel the sadness leaving your body. I've seen it in action. I've seen my, my wife has got a powerful hug, I'm just going to tell you. I've seen it. We were preaching in Oklahoma one time, and this young lady came up, and my wife just put her arms around her and just hugged her. And when she did, something so supernatural happened. This girl lost demons, lost devils, lost, lost depression, and was just transformed in her arms while she gave her Didn't say a word. Just gave her a hug. We, she got a, a letter from a young lady that came to our church and after a couple of years. And she wrote Bev a letter and said, I just want you to know, you, you, when I came to church for the very first time, you hugged me. You didn't, say in, you didn't say anything to me, but you hugged me. And when you did, my life was radically altered. And today, me, my family, and, uh, and friends are all in church because you hugged me one Sunday morning at Word, Word Alive. I saw, her, I saw her hug a young man that was struggling with his identity up in Coleman, and I saw demons leave a young man just when she put her arms around him and hugged him. There's something powerful about a hug. And by the way, can I just say, I don't like Christian hugs. You know, that kind of shoulder thing. Like, huh? I, I like, I like a, a full frontal. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and I know you men don't like that, you homophobes out there. You kind of like that, you know, little bud. Like, I just like that full frontal deal. It does something good to me. I like it. 
When we first started our church, it was awkward. You know, people would be like, man, that, they're like all over you down there. You know, it's like, <laughs> but we believe in it. We believe there's something powerful when you have a genuine hug from someone who cares about what's going on in your life. That something in that moment can supernaturally transpire. How about just the power of touch? Think about it in your own life for a minute, a moment, if you will. I, I did that this week. I began to just think back, when, when can I say that, you know, a touch, whether it was somebody touched my hand or shook my hand or maybe a high five or whatever, pat on the back. In my own life, I got to thinking, when can I recount a time when touch really did something for me? And I, just like this, this memory came to me. I'll never forget, I was about a 13-year-old boy, and I was at, in church service on a Sunday night, and the preacher was preaching, and I felt conviction on my heart and felt the courage as a teenager to go to an altar. And when I did, and I was on an altar, and I, we, we had altars at our church. We'd go kneel and pray, and I'll never forget, I was kneeling there and praying all by myself, and all of a sudden, I felt a man's hand, an elder of that church, come behind me and lay his hand on my back. And it, it was as if God himself touched me in that moment. And I don't know what happened because I do believe in impartation, but whatever he put on me, I went through drug addiction. I went through all sorts of nonsense. I ran from God, but something he put on me, Ajax couldn't get off of it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he, he, something happened in that moment. He didn't say anything. He didn't pray. He just touched me. And something from that touch got inside of me that carried me through a long journey from 13 to about 23 or 24, about a decade, I would assume, that just wouldn't get off of me, no matter where I went and what I did. Just the power of touch. It's important. It's important to realize that just a kind word or just a touch or a hug the potential in it to literally change people's lives. Dr. Hawkins, Dr. David Hawkins, by the way, did a 29-year research, and his thesis, if you will, was how to measure vibrations, something that you can't see. And he wrote a book out of it called Power Versus Force, and it's an intriguing scientific book, spiritual book. But his concept was he, he des designed and de deciphered a way to, to measure vibration. And he came to the conclusion after 29 years of research that a large portion of humanity live on a low frequency of negativity. Fear, doubt, unbelief, anger, depression, sadness, these type of emotions dominate their life. And so it, it causes them to live on a low frequency or a lower level, we'll call it vibration. And he came to the conclusion that estimated 89% of humanity live on a low frequency of negativity. That's a lot of people. That means, that means 9 out of 10 people you're going to meet this week in their community are probably dealing with some low level of negativity in their life that's releasing a low level of vibration. But then he also was able to measure positive things. And so he, he also understood that when somebody 
in his own words, lived in a positivity or a positive place. And the key was being non-judgmental of others was the key. That they got on such a level of frequency and energy being released that their energy coming from them was able to nullify 90,000 other individuals' negativity with just their, 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 their one outlook on life. Are you hearing me? Only one person that decided to live on another level. You know, and then that's all the... And if you don't believe there's negative and positive vibrations, you, you can testify. I know you've walked into a room and you're like, Ooh, what is going on in here? You get around some people and you're... But then you walk in other rooms, you're like, wow. Right? You feel like, oh, wow. And you get around those people and you're like, immediately brings you to a like, Wow. These are, these are real spiritual vibrations. Now they actually, this book actually goes on to say, if you could get, move on and get to a place where you are literally operating in love, the power of love, that not only do you love yourself, but you love others and you love on such a level that you literally love and you believe every living thing is important so you know these kind of people you know they kind of freak you out they like love animals they don't you know they don't they don't kill mosquitoes they you know you know they just like everything's i'm just love we think they're weird but i'm telling you they're powerful because it says that kind of person and that energy coming from them that actually has been measured nullifies the negativity of 750,000 other individuals that are living on this low frequency. And all of a sudden it just exploded inside of me. I said, oh my God, I see it. 2,000 years ago, the greatest act of love at the highest level possible of selflessness was demonstrated when God's own son hung on a cross and released and demonstrated the love of the Father to us. It released such a vibration that 2,000 years later, people are still being saved and healed and delivered and set free by that power that was released 2,000 years ago. So my dream, our dream, is to be that place. Mark 6, 56, I love this scripture. Here's what it says. Wherever he entered, speaking of Jesus, villages, cities, country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. I would love for Word of Life's testimony in our community to be, if you're sick, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're in despair, if you're discouraged, if you lack peace, if you have no joy, if you're addicted, if you're going through a divorce, if you have a disease, 
If you're in dysfunction, we don't know what it is, but if you can just go down there and get around that smiling, hugging, touching, loving, worshiping, playing, something supernatural can happen in your life. Because I believe that this is our purpose as a church. To live in a place of love and non-judgmental attitude. That when somebody walks on our campus, they may not look like you. They may not smell like you. They have, may have more nicotine on than you do. I personally like hanging out with the smokers. It's free, secondhand smoke. I'm not buying it. I'm just... Smoking don't trouble me. We got a lot of smokers here. Don't trouble me a bit. I've heard people say, I can't believe you have so many smokers here at your church. I'm like, really? I take them to the scripture, show them the first place a cigarette was smoked. Genesis 24, 64 says, Rebecca saw Isaac and lit off a camel. <laughs> she like, dang, he looking good. Don't you just love it that nobody feels judged because they slip out and have a cigarette or because something, whatever in their life. Don't you just love a place that just accepts everybody just like they are and loves them just like they are? Come on. And this atmosphere is contagious. I met a lady between services. She's, I'm going to guess, mid-60s. She said, I hadn't been to church in a long, long, long time. And my daughter told me, you've never been to a church like this. She said, oh, honey, I've been to all of them. She said, you haven't been to this one. She said, so I came last week. She said, I don't know what happened to me. She said, but I ain't never been in a place like this. She said, something came off me and something came in me and I've got joy like I had never felt in years. She said, I woke up this morning and could not wait to get back to experience it. so I'm just asking God in this season because I believe there's a lot of hurting, desperate people that need this culture of love and grace and power and acceptance. Because think about it, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you and me. And when we smile at somebody or touch them or hug them or speak a word to them, it's as if Jesus himself is doing it because his grace and power is on the inside of us. And I just believe that in this season, this is the culture, the environment, six touches from the street to the seat that God wants us to live in and function in. And so my ask to you today is pretty simple. To make all this happen, 
we got to have some extra folks who will say, man, you're saying you want me to stand in the parking lot and wave at people and give them a big grin when they come in? I am the grin guru. You want me to walk in the parking lot and pray for families that are coming today and say hello and maybe give them a hug or a high five? Yes. You want me to join that force of lovely, faithful greeters who will stand at the door and just wait to welcome you with loving arms and a kind word? Yes. We're looking for people who will just sit at a cafe table and be having coffee and just available in case somebody needs to sit down and have a conversation. Simple but powerful. But then also, we just need to understand this is our culture. We're touching, loving, hugging, smiling people. Not just because we want to be happy, because we realize people have problems. And they touch Jesus. And Jesus wants to touch their problems. And through us, lives can be radically changed for all eternity. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv. If you're ready for your next step, you can attend Freedom Track either on campus or our online courses. Have a great week.